Imagine a family holiday meal, a moment and a time where we get together to display love, and oftentimes those family meals are full of tumult. Differing thoughts come forward concerning everything happening in our world, and there's a lot to discuss, wasn't there, at Thanksgiving. Everyone has an opinion, and no one's is the same, and tensions can be high. Turmoil. No calm. Coworkers' tensions are high because of potential mandates or fears of exposure or anything and everything. Turmoil. No calm. Where's the calm? Where is the peace? Shopping center. Um, imagine a shopping center and one sweet African-American lady approaches an open line at the same time that a Caucasian family approaches. And, and in that moment, she is willing to let them go ahead so as not to offend anyone. And the family, the white family, does the same. You see, because clouds pervade our society to make these folks concerned to not offend or upset, that even a, a thing like a line, is a, a line at a shopping center is a concern. No calm in our world. Where's the light? Where is the joy? Where's the love? Where's the spirit of the holiday season? You see, these things have either happened to me in the past few weeks or I've heard of someone else they've happened to. And I, not only that, but they could have happened to any of us. The time of year that's supposed to be the happiest leaves us numb at times. This world is dark. Where is the light? This world is in turmoil. Where is the calm? That's what this series is about, this series of Advent. It's the series of, of tension, the tension of a world in desperate need of hope and desperate need of peace. The world that lay uh, in stillness, right, as the, as the Christmas song says. The world that was waiting in tension, awaiting the arrival of a Savior, awaiting the arrival of the light, awaiting the arrival of the Prince of Peace. That's what Advent is about because we in some ways still live in the tension. Though the light came, though Jesus came, we still live in the tension of darkness seeming to prevail, of tumult and, and, and turmoil swirling around us seeming to encompass it all. And so we ask, where is the light? Where is the calm? Where is the hope? Where is the peace? But the idea and the hope is for us to see that the light still shines in the darkness, that the calm is there, sometimes in the very middle of the storm. But it is there. 
And it is not only dim, it is bright. The fact is, is that we allow those things, we allow the, the darkness, we allow the turmoil, the, the, the storms, the clouds raging, we allow them to distract our attention away. To keep us from focusing on what matters most. Just a moment ago, we were praying uh, with uh, uh, myself and Jason and some deacons, and, and we were even bringing up in that prayer time the idea that just the, the hustle and bustle of the season, just, a lo- just that alone can, can remove our attention from where it needs to be, to Christ, to Christmas. Not just to a babe in a manger, but the Messiah come. God made flesh to dwell among us, to become like us, to sacrifice Himself for us. And Jesus did that. And Jesus still does that in our lives today. He brings light into the darkness. He brings peace and calm to the storms that we face. In this series, we want to See how that light has always been promised in the midst of the greatest darkness and has shone through, sometimes dimly. But that that light will one day shine more brilliantly than we can imagine, that the light of Christ will be the only source of light one day. As the Bible tells us. You see, there is peace in the midst of darkness and turmoil that is all around us because Jesus has come. Jesus is here. We can see this from the very beginning and we looked last week at the book of Genesis in chapter 1 and I ask that you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 today. We'll begin uh, a little bit differently but go ahead and mark that page. I think we see three very important things today in the covenant that God made with Noah. And the first thing that we see is that God is loyal in His love and true to His Word. We discussed the idea of covenants last week, and I won't reiterate that. I encourage you, if you weren't able to see that, maybe you're watching today or maybe even in here and you weren't here for that, you didn't get to hear that message, I encourage you to go back. It's available on our website. We also dug into it a little more deeply on our podcast, and that is something we do every week. We dig a little more deeply into the message to give you something to hold on to the rest of the week. We encourage you to do that. You can go to our Facebook page to see that. You can also go to our website and just click on podcast at the top, or you can go to anywhere you find podcasts. So I encourage you to go there and and kind of Catch yourself up on that discussion of covenants. But what we, I'll give it to you in brief. How we, how uh, covenants were how people in the ancient Near East, the lands of the Bible, that it was how they entered into partnership relationships with one another. It was how they entered into partnerships, perhaps in business or even in family relationships, but even marriages and other uh, official law uh, or um, 
you know, it was law-abiding documents, it was legal-binding, those kind of things. It was how they did it, and they would cut a covenant, and usually that meant signifying that we're, we're taking this to the extremes here, we're going to cut this animal in half, and we're going to walk through it to say that if uh, we break this covenant, it'd be like, we should be like these animals broken apart. And so they would cut these covenants as they entered into these meaningful relationships. Well, God does the same. He enters into relationship with segments of humanity through covenant. Covenant, And this covenant language is discovered throughout Scripture. And as soon as you see this and unlock this and understand this, it, 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 it really jumps off the page to you at different spots. And today I want to help you to see this uh, jump off the page in a psalm, in Psalm 17 and, 17. and you don't have to turn there, but you're welcome to if you'd like. It's going to be on the screen as well. And as we read these two short verses, if you're able, let's honor God's Word today by standing. And I, I want to try something today before we read this passage. I want to try this, try it out. In just a moment, I'm going to read God's Word, and I'm going to say, this is the Word of the Lord. And what I'd like for you, and if, you, if any of you uh, grew up in other traditions than Baptists, you may already know how to do this, right? But we Baptists, this is not something I grew up with, but I love it in that some, uh, some different um, denominations will, will practice liturgy, and that's just things that they speak to help them to remember how awesome God is. And one of those things is when someone reads the Word of God and says, this is the Word of the Lord, they say, thanks be to God. And so let's just do that today. Let's practice it real quick. So thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. There we go. All right, now let's read it. And when I say this is the Word of the Lord, would you say thanks be to God? Psalm 117, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, all nations. Glorify Him, all peoples. For his faithful love to us is great. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Hallelujah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In verse 2 here, we see two specific Hebrew words that are covenant language, like I've discussed already. Those words are uh, on the screen now. If you'll put those on the screen, I'd appreciate it. Um, those words, two words are hesed, and emet. Chesed means showing kindness and loyal love. You'll see that in verse 2, for his faithful love to us is great. That's the word chesed, which means showing kindness and loyal love. The second word is the Lord's faithfulness. So the word faithfulness is emet. In emet, we, we actually get our word amen, and it, our, when we say amen, it means let it be so. It is true. And that's really what that means. It means it's faithful or true. And these, these, this is covenant language. These are, this is language that you will see throughout when, when people are establishing covenant with one another. They use the word said and emet. They're saying, uh, may I show you loving kindness. May I show you kindness in loyal love. Or may I show you faithfulness, truth. And God does this as well. This is speaking of our God. Look at what it says. For uh, praise the Lord all nations, glorify him all peoples, for his faithful love to us is great. He shows us kindness in loyal love. 
The Lord's faithfulness endures forever, forever. His truth, his faithfulness is forever and ever. And what we see is that he is in covenant relationship with us and he is loyal in his love. He is true to his word. He will keep his word. He will do what he says he will do and he will show us kindness in faithful love. We see these in so many places and when we see them together, Chesed and Emet help us to see God's character and we see His character in His way that He establishes relationships with people. God's character is kind and loving and loyal. I was listening to a podcast uh, that shared what this type of love might look like in our culture between two people and the example that was given I thought was excellent and it's the example is the picture of a husband or wife that cares for their spouse who might be suffering from something like Alzheimer's or dementia when the person is there but may not be what they once were but that person is faithfully showing love with really nothing in return that's it. That's said. That is kindness and loyal love. Jacob asked Joseph to make a covenant with him and to show him said by taking his bones and burying them in the promised land. When he was dead, he asked something to be done for him to show said to show kindness and loyal love with full generosity, willing to walk miles with someone's dead bones on their back with nothing being able to be given back in return. And this is the type of love God has for those with whom he's in relationship with. Far beyond this, the Lord gives us, expecting us not to be able to give him anything of equal value in return. God loves us because of his love with little regard of our own. He wants our love, of course, but he gives it to us without necessarily expecting us to give it in return. I think of Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, when we were unworthy, unable, dead in our trespasses and sin, unable to give him anything, except for our sin in return. He gave us his righteousness. But God shows his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we see that God is loyal in his love and true to his word. The second thing that we see is that the failure of the human heart did not change the heart of God. The failure of the human heart did not change the heart of God. Of God. You see, we spoke of Adam and, and the covenant with Adam and the creation. We, we spoke of their fall uh, last week. And we, we, what we see happening from that moment that Adam and Eve are taken out of the garden is that humankind continually spirals out of control. And when we get to Genesis chapter 6 and we get to, to, to what's happening in, in the, the flood narrative and what's happening with, with Noah and his family in the midst of the world that they were in, the, the world was completely in turmoil. 
Humankind had messed everything up. Everything and everyone was filled, as that, those verses say, with corruption and violence. It grieved God and He decided it was time to end it all. Look at chapter 6, verse 5 of Genesis. When the Lord saw that the human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. The world was in turmoil. The world was corrupt. The world was full of violence. And God was grieved. Before we move on from this, God sometimes gets a bad rap about this especially from atheistic people or sometimes even people questioning or doubting that may be of faith. But we must remind ourselves that God didn't break the covenant. God didn't break the covenant. Humankind did. And human, humanity did it again and again and again. And God saw Noah and decided he would reinitiate his covenant anew. So we give God a bad rap because God uh, uh, brought judgment upon these, these people. But what we see in this and fail to see is that even though God saw that all of humanity was corrupt, he looked and he saw someone he could keep his covenant with. Look at 6.18. What we see here is he says, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your son's wives. You see, God decided that he would keep his covenant and keep his end of the covenant regardless of what humankind had done. Humankind had broken the covenant that God made, the promise that God made with Adam and creation. It had been broken again and again and again, but God decided He would keep the covenant regardless. And what we see is this word established. In my translation, if you look back to the Hebrew, the word actually means to affirm. A covenant already in action. A covenant already working. And so God affirmed the covenant He had already made with Adam and creation and humanity. God affirmed it in Noah. But let's don't give Noah too much credit either because in Genesis chapter 9, 9 through 11, we see Noah very quickly fall. Now, verse 9, it says, Understand that I'm establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And that, that we've, we've already established that as well, but he, he reestablishes again with every living creature that is with you, birds, livestock, and all wildlife of the earth and that are with you and the animals of the earth that came out of the ark. I establish covenant with you, my covenant with you, that never again will every creature be wiped out by floodwaters. There will never again be a flood to destroy the earth. But what we see in 18 through 29 is that Noah very quickly after 
uh, offering an offering to the Lord after uh, the Lord receiving it and making this covenant with him, we see Noah mess up. Noah gets uh, 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 Noah, Noah. Noah had a real good time. It was a rager because so, he ended up drunk and naked. Okay, and so the human heart led to the to the end that it always did, and and we see this happen again and again. So we don't want to give. Noah too much credit because Noah messes up too. But God remains faithful to his covenant and his kindness is shown through his loyal love and he does so by grace alone. Consider these, a couple of quotes I want to share with you. William Dumbrell says this, since we are virtually being told, and he's speaking of this passage in Genesis 6, since we are virtually being told that a deluge, a flood, would be an appropriate response from God toward the sin of any age, mankind has been preserved by grace alone. So what you see is that, yeah, they, they had done wrong. They had done poorly. They had messed up, and the world was in chaos. But what we see from Scripture is that that is the proper response of God to anyone who's broken His covenant. To any age, could the same punishment could be given. But then God's use of my covenant, when he says, I will affirm or I will establish my covenant with you, it indicates this, and this is what Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellam say. This is a covenant in which God binds himself, God obligates himself, and he will maintain the covenant in spite of human failure. God is always a faithful covenant partner, even when the covenant is broken by the other party. God is loyal in his love and true to his word. And we have fallen and failed. But the failure of the human heart doesn't change the heart of God. He still gives grace. He still gives mercy. And what we see, our final point today, is that God has provided peace by promising he's going to give us his mercy. God has provided peace by promising his mercy. Look at Genesis 9, 12 through 17. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all future generations. Catch that word, all future generations. I've placed my bow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I form clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures. Water will never again become a flood to destroy every creature. The bow will be in the clouds and I will look at it and remember the permanent covenant, the permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and every creature on the earth. What we see is that God established a sign that is to indicate that peace comes out of turmoil. Peace comes out of tumult. 
Calm comes from a raging storm. Consider these words from Warren Austin Gage. The bow is a weapon of war, an emblem of wrath. God will now set it in the heavens as a token of grace. The Lord who makes his bow of wrath into a seven-colored arch of beauty to ornament the heavens is the one who will finally command the nations to beat their swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks from Micah 4.3. For the Prince of Peace takes pleasure in mercy and the righteous judge delights in grace. the turmoil of our sinful world will one day be reconciled in Jesus Christ. The one we celebrate His coming and His arrival. I want you to consider 2 Corinthians. Actually, I want you to consider Micah 7, 18 and just see the beauty of God. Who is a God like you? Forever forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance. How does he does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in, look at the word, faithful love. Chesed, he delights in being kind to us and showing us loyal love. That's what the Lord delights in. He wants to establish peace. He has established peace. And ultimately, that peace will come to us by our relationship with Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the one who came to to bring peace to the world. We sing those words at Christmas, and we say those words, peace on earth. That's what Jesus came to bring. Can we just get excited about that for a minute? We have peace. Our world is in turmoil. Everything around us is crazy. Clouds seem to be forming everywhere. Where is the calm we asked at the beginning? Where is the peace we asked at the beginning? It's in Jesus. The peace that you and I can have today is in Jesus, and I want to prove it to you. I told you the story about the African-American lady. This, was, this literally happened to us last week. We were at Walmart, and we're just walking up. And she's walking up. I mean, you know how it is at Walmart, especially right now, right? You're like, you see an open line and everybody's like, right? So we're doing that. We're going to the same line that was open. She got there before we did and said, uh, noticed that we were coming as well and, and literally stepped back and said, I don't want to offend anyone. Y'all go ahead. And we said, no, ma'am, please. You go, you're here first. No, please. It's sad. That's the world we live in right now, isn't it? But here's the beauty. In the, world of, in the world of turmoil, she comes and grabs our groceries and is going to pay for them just because we let her go. And we're like, no, please, no, no, no. Give it to somebody else. We're fine. We, we're good. And she, you know what? I know she has peace. I know she knows Jesus. Because in that moment, she said, now you're going to miss a blessing. Don't miss a blessing. You know what brings peace in the midst of a world that's crazy? Where we can't even know if we're going to offend somebody at the grocery line or not? Jesus. Jesus. She knew him, and we knew him, and we found peace in that moment. And friends, if you want to know peace, 
True peace. True calm. If you want to know that type of peace, you can know it today. You can know Jesus today. You can know his peace today. You can find his peace in the midst of everything that's going on. You know, what if, what if Omicron comes and goes crazy again? I know, don't even mention it, right? I know. We can have peace. But no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, it's okay. Because we know the Prince of Peace. We know Jesus. Friends, if you don't know Jesus today and you want peace, I'd love to share with you how you can find it. You can come in just a moment as we sing. I'd love to share with you how to find peace in Jesus. But maybe you already know Christ. Maybe you already know the peace that comes from Him. I pray that you would just lean heavily into that, lean into Him, especially this time. Lord, give me your peace today. I need it. Remind me of the calm that's at the center of the storm. That, yeah, it's crazy. Clouds are swirling. It's, it's uh, tumult and turmoil. But you bring peace. Let's pray. And if you just respond to the Lord today, would you stand? We're going to pray. If God is moving in your heart and you need to respond in any way, you do that as he leads you in this moment. Maybe it's praying here. Maybe it's coming to pray with me. Whatever it is, you follow the Lord as he leads you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Lord, thank you that you bring peace to our hearts. Lord, speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.